1: and I am joined by Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, Kira Mawira.
0: ora, Sam, how's it going?
1: It's going very well indeed. I'm quite pleased that the short week is over because you know when you have a short week you try and cram the whole week's work into two days. <laughs>
0: yes. You've been tripping around the place. What was your favourite activity of the last few days?
1: Oh, I found going up the I think it's called the Bullock Creek, which is the the creek in the Papamoa National Park, up to Cave Creek, you know, Cave Creek that famously um, had a a bit of a disaster there. How long ago that was? 25 years, I think. Um, And we were going through these flooded roads, which we ignored for a couple of times we had to cross it. And then eventually there was a sign that said, if the water is across the road here, do not proceed. So Leslie made me turn around. So we were driving back down the valley. And I was quite disappointed because I really wanted to go for a walk because that was my favourite bush up there. Um, And we stopped at the side of the road and Leslie said, oh, there's an interesting looking rock in the river. So I scrambled down the bank to the river and it was just incredible because there was about a 200 metre stretch of this creek that had no water in it because the water went underneath. So it was a limestone, you know, sculpted limestone thing with, the, with no water because there was a big boulder in the middle of it of some sort of granite, not limestone. Um, so so the, the water hadn't been able to erode its way through that. And all the water actually flowed uphill for a bit well sort of uphill to where the hole is before it could flow underwater which meant that there was a stretch of this creek that it was completely just like sculpted li- limestone all covered in moss and it was that just amazing incredible. my new favorite place and that now i've told gorgeous. everybody where it is and they'll all go rushing to it and it will ruin it so i didn't tell you enough detail <laughs> of exactly where to find it it's like fishing <laughs> That's <a> good thing <laughs> and who are we introducing today
0: Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce artist and art educator, Carrie uh, Mackay from where are you, Carrie? I'm I'm in McAndrew Bay in Dunedin. That is a good place to be. It is. Welcome, it's a great welcome, place
1: to be. Welcome, Carrie. How was your lockdown, Carrie? How was your bubble life?
2: Well, it was good. It was not too different from a day job, really, other than... Having to cancel things. Um, when you work as an artist, you're kind of working. I've got, I work in my, my house is my studio. So it wasn't really that different for me, the lockdown. It was, um, other than that kind of hot, rather weird feeling of foreboding that was around early on and, and you know, just quietness. was much the same as for me.
1: <laughs> so did you produce some COVID artwork?
2: Not really. Um. Gallery De Novo, that, um, where, I, where I show my work sometimes, they had, a, they had a little exhibition kind of just after the lockdown about COVID, and it was, I did a couple of wee work to that. But I actually found it quite hard to sustain work during that time. I found I did more just reading and a bit of pottering, and it was kind of a weird time because it wasn't that productive for me. And it should have been because I had more time to do it. But, you know. Yeah, I,
1: as I as I keep telling people on on the show at the start of lockdown, I rushed out and bought some varnish to redo the window frames. Hasn't happened yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all thought we'd we'd do so much more, but I think you know by the time you had to listen at one o'clock to Ashley and Cinder, and then you had to you know go for your walk and worry about the world, the day sort of whipped away on you, didn't it?
1: So what sort of artwork do you do?
2: Well, it's quite hard to explain, and it's probably going to sound really weird, but I work i work a lot with um, found objects and and quite a lot with textiles. I, I don't call myself a style artist, um, as some people do who work textiles, because I kind of work across quite a few media. But at, at the moment, I'm sort of obsessing about, um, making I call them trophies, but they're not trophies. They're um they're kind of I guess more memorials for animals. They're um I I use like real skulls, real animal skulls, but I make a new skin for them out of embroidered textile. So so I kind of remake the animal that was once living. I call it homemade taxidermy because it <laughs> kind of is like taxidermy, except the real taxidermy, which I adore also. Um, the only thing that's real in it is skin, whereas with my work, the only thing that is real skull. But even if you can't see it, like in my sheep, you can't really see the skull. I cover them in blankets, so I'm giving the wool back to the sheep. You know how sheep are very um, anonymous? in our in our culture i I grew up on a farm um so i'm kind of a pragmatic farming girl but i know from years of having pet lambs things sheep are actually very intelligent sentient beings. but we don't really treat such that kind of anonymous so with my work i like to give personality that individual thing back the creature even though it's an old discarded skull some farmer or something
1: you and Mawira should go into into business because Mawera is the wild cook.
2: Oh, you, re- okay. you really could
1: be using all bits of the animal. No,
2: oh, totally these are old, old, old ones. They're all sun bleached, and there wouldn't be much good eating on them. Uh, and I don't. Uh, they they're found. They're not. You know, I don't go hunting. I'm not a hunter. Um, they're just things that are, that people give me or I find.
1: So I'm not they're sure if it's. Struck. I'm not sure if it's sensible to ask how that idea came about, but how did that idea come about?
2: I don't know. I've just always been interested in um, in, in kind of collecting things that I find out in the world. As a little kid on the farm, my brother and I would collect things like dead bird bones and old bits of pottery and we'd put them in the farm buildings as if it was a museum. So I've always I've always had that interest. And then when I did my masters, I did my master of fine arts at mm. the Polytech, the Art School in Dunedin. And I kind of did my research on and my exhibitions on um re-skinning, remaking, but I used the handbag. So I did a so I sort of did an investigation of social, social handbag, because again, I think it's a really ignored little object. It has kind of been through our been through so many changes in history. It was sort of a structured handbag. And what I did is I, I treated the handbag a bit like taxidermy. And reskinned it and told a new story about it. So, story quite important uh, to my work. Like each little creature I create, there's a there's a narrative or a story with it.
1: Let's take the first of your music selections. Let's have Elton John. Your song. We're having the live in Australia version because that's my favourite album. Why this song?
2: Well, I'm I my sister and I we grew up listening to Elton John when we were kids. I think the Elton John. LP was one of the first we saved up our pocket, and we had to sort of pull our pocket money, um, and we'd go down to Gore and buy um, records. You know, we couldn't afford one inch, so we, we'd we'd sort of. Well, my sister would always pick them, really, because she was older, but I would always agree. And Elton John was one of the ones that we bought a lot of, because um, it was sort of of that era when he he it was sort of in the '70s again. He was or, I don't know, I'm not very good with lines, but, you know, we grew up with them, basically, and I just think it's a beautiful song. It's kind of so romantic, but not flowery, and it's just beautifully written, I think.
3: It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside I'm not one of those who can easily hide No, it's not much But it's the best I can do My gift is my song, yeah And this one's for you You can tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done don't mind if you don't mind that I put down the world how wonderful am while you're in the world I sat on the roof I kicked out the Oh, they got me quite cry, But the sun's been quite kind But it wrote them songs So people like you then Keep it turned on All the blue, and the way the thing is, what I really mean is that the sweetest time.
0: I'm looking at your handbag, and uh, and I want them all <laughs> immediately. <laughs> They're amazing. I Had should make you li- one. I'm blown away by these. They are so cool. Listeners, um, I thoroughly recommend that you um, search for Kerry Mackay. Art, New Zealand, and you will be blown away by the incredible work that Kerry has done. But if you're a handbag person like me, you will be particularly blown away by those. They are amazing. Where do you get you? Ins- like, obviously, you're inspired by, um, uh, by you know, those that by nature and and by textiles and everything. But that's a special kind of imagination that enables the creation of things that are so beautiful. Where does that come oh, from you. for you? Thank you. Um, yeah, it's with
2: the handbags. I, I really like the structured handbag from sort of you know 18 or oh, probably the 1900s through to about the 1970s, and then they all went floppy. So the structured ones have a kind of skeleton um, that you can work on and ha- and reskin. And each each era, I took each couple of decades, social history of that time, and I linked it to a personal family. So the turn of the century was around Gallipoli, mainly because um, I went with my brother, who was a historian, um, Dr. Don Mackay. Sadly, Don's um, not here with us anymore. But we went on a family trip to Gallipoli because Don was doing research um, about people from the Otago Mounted Rifles um, group of men that went over there. And so he went over quite a lot. And one time he went over... Oh, Jeannie Meister and her husband were in Amsterdam, and I was going over to have a um, a bit of a holiday with them, and he said, oh, we should we should go, fly over together. He said, do you want to go to Turkey? And I thought, oh, I've never been to Turkey. Yeah, okay. So because he was a historian, he stay, he got us to stay in the rest cottage, or cottage, right on um, Anzac Cove. Only historians stay in it. We were there as his research crew. Um <laughs> And it was just such a life-changing experience and, and a very special time for our family. Because our granddad, Huey Mackay, he served at Gallipoli and luckily survived. Um, so there was all of that. But at the same time, Don was telling me about these ships of women that went over shortly after Gallipoli. Um, they were all the wives, sweethearts and mothers of the boys who were killed. And they went over to see their final replace on this big ship mostly Australians, some New Zealand. And he showed me a photo of them with their big handbag. And that was so, sort of at the time when handbags first being used by women because women were able to travel then and before that they didn't. So I kind of made that story. I did a whole series about kind of our family, my granddad, me going over there and these women travelled over. So that was sort of like that decade. And then I each, each decade I took a different sort of a spin on it. So it didn't matter that people don't know those stories when they look at it, but it, it matters to me, you know, and I think that probably viewers would read something of time with the surface I chose to use. And I like things to be bright
0: and colourful as well. I do like the gorgeous fact. <laughs> I just i uh, speaking of gorgeousness, um, there is the piece um which is obviously one of those skill ones that you're talking about, and it looks like a kitty cat. Uh, it's, it's in an old woolen blanket hanging on a hook. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that is just extraordinary. I couldn't imagine, when you were describing it, I was trying to imagine what you were talking about of taking the skull and then and then, and putting fabric around it. But now I see it and, oh, my gosh, it makes so much sense. You've given a whole character and a new life to something that has long been gone yeah and it's it's kind of it's just fun to play with surface i do
2: like playing with the surface of an object and that's probably why i kind of do like three-dimensional stuff lately i've been working with um cabbage tree leaves um Tikoka leaves um, and wool, and I've been making little structures out of them. It's fun. I've done that with kids um, and with adults, and it's such a good, a good sort of base. Again, it's sort of like a skeleton. the The leaves are like a skeleton, and then I just cover them wool and make things. My garden is full of things I make because I put them outside again. You know, those ones. Let them
0: weather away. <laughs> Bubble sprite of the forest of Aoraki, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie
4: Kia ora koutou, nā mihi ho, I hope you're all having the best day beautiful superstars in your beloved universes, I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be. Very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you each day, who you are. A triumph of nature's perfect, unique and here, making things better. Thank you. As we know, we've all been through a very challenging time over the last more than a year. And at this time we find ourselves so fortunate in our total in New Zealand to be able to frolic about in relative freedom whilst the rest of the world is still struggling through lockdowns and all sorts of changes and shift transitions in place in this time we've had to see our way collectively so i really hope for you that in this time you found ways of caring for yourself and making sure you have what you need in order to continue to find meaning continue to find peace continue to find a sense of who you are and how you want to create and be in the world despite all these chain in place Something, of course, I feel so grateful for, these five minutes with you, and it's made a huge difference to me. Eternally grateful to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. Thank you, just being able to speak to you in this way. Offer my, my thoughts, my experience to you, my pleasure. And pro- so here I am, the morning sunlight streaming through the window on the slopes of Mount Mapunui, at my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, where I've been for the last 12 years and today the lovely eco-warriors are coming to visit me at Port Chalmers Kindergarten come every two weeks and today they're wearing their gumboot and I'm wearing my pink sparkly gumboot and we're going to walk all the way down the valley which is my favourite walk eco-sanctuary so it's about 5k and it's all downhill and it's through very very beautiful old lush ancient pottercup forests, so trees that are Living for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of years, and it's an opportunity to really have a sense of what Aotearoa New Zealand was like and, of course, can be like. It's also an opportunity to see the tallest tree in New Zealand. It's very interesting. Beautiful eucalyptus red nans but also an opportunity to see how gravity and water work together so we can follow these tiny drips of water in their way down the mountainside, pooling and then becoming little streams, little rivulets, creek, and then eventually a beautiful roaring and raging and rippling stream and then out into the pastry of the waybird and then out into the sea. So it's a wonderful opportunity to see that journey that water made and has made for so long. Once we get outside the fence of fence, we've got a different environment as farmland. Always really appreciate the differences that everyone sees so clearly when we emerge from forest or farm. And as a species of course we're so inclined towards modifying environment, part of what we really excel at. And over time of course we're learning that we need to really care and carefully modify our environments back to a more sustainable model for the inner life forms with it. it's wonderful working here at Otokanui where we have a thousand man and i know that taking place here will outlive me quite formal structure of course everything in place will outlive those of us alive. but i'm sure the atoms and molecules will be transformed and re- so i really hope for you whatever's happening around you and whatever you are sharing the world today you're appreciating you are here with unique gifts to share, and whether consciousness contributes or not, are we? the mate. Ah, mate. we are all co-evolved. I look forward to talking. So, thanks so much,
2: Tahu, because she's such a fabulous creature, I made her a peripatus bag um, because I'm a, I'm obsessed with that little creature, like she is, the velvet worm or the peripatus. Um, and so I made her a glow-in-the-dark <laughs> peripatus handbag, but she was dressing up like one. She's got a whole outfit. <laughs> so she, it went to the best person to have a peripitous handbag.
1: She has the ability to dress up as anything and look stunning. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Kerry Mackay. Kerry, once we came out of lockdown, did life get back to, to normal for you?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we, um, a friend and I, we, we've got our own little business called the Art Department, and we do things like run art classes for kids and do school-based art projects, things like that. So they all had to stop during COVID. So when, you know, when it all came kind of good again, we could start all of our teaching again and, um, and initially it was with quite a few restrictions in place, you know, like spreading everyone out, like schools were very aware of all of those sort of things. But it was great to sort of, we sort of missed that. We missed working with kids and um, not being able to offer different things.
0: What What are you looking at, Ma, where are you looking at? I'm looking I've at the, those three birds. It's like the, the flying ducks. Yeah, they're little felt birds. And then I've got the goat and the sheep. Up there. Well, I see them. Do You know, I saw those three birds, and it reminded me. You know, like in Coronation Street, you always saw the three ceramic duck flying across the yes, wall. Yes, I've York actually got. Three birds.
2: I've got a whole collection of those ducks in my um in my bathroom. I love them. <laughs> now they're too pricey. This is a um. Oh, you can't really see it, but that's um that's one of my embroidered ones. It's about the animal attic in Dunedin. That one. It's absolutely gorgeous. Where can people go to see these? Um, Well, I do – I sell my stuff through Gallery De Novo in town and Stewart Street, but um, I just kind of pop one in every now and again. Um, And also people just – sometimes people want commissions, you know. they Like people have got a favourite blanket. Because um, I work with old vintage blankets, you know, again, as something that's from our past, which isn't being, I think there's one factory still being where they make woolen blankets. There's only one left. And you think back to the early times in New Zealand and every little town had a woolen, had woolen industries. Now there's just none. So, um, but the blankets I love, I love, I I adore the old vintage blankets so i've got collections of those um that i make and they're just lovely to work with i don't some of them i don't chop up some of them you know are just too good to and others i do depending on what color i need so i've got a i've got a wall of blankets in my house Do you
0: teach this to children as well, like the that um the idea you have of taking old things and making something new? is that part of your teaching practice to to do that? Yeah, it is. And with found. Objects,
2: like we have. Um, Pamela and I, Pamela Brown, she's an artist as well, she's a painter. Um, we work very much as artists who know how to teach, you know what I mean. Um, so each thing, each each art class has a different construct around it. We think up an idea, and that becomes the idea for the art class. Like last term we did soft sculpture. And we worked with bits of material and the kids designed their own soft sculpture and they were amazing. We had a little girl who made Ulysses, you know, the action, like an action figure of Ulysses. We had um, a donkey that was lived in France and wore a hat. We had all sorts of different um, creatures that the kids, creatures and people that the kids designed. And then they made them out of soft material and this coming one we're going we're doing an illustrative one where they create a little character out of a key and place polymer like an old house key and that little creation will become the hero of the illustrated book so it's basically a drawing Thing. so we think up a new thing each time so that it's always fresh and always cool for kids come and be involved and we have we have whanau grouping so we have five-year-olds 12-year-olds you know we have just a whoever comes along they work at their own level regardless of their age and it works really well actually. we keep our numbers small and we just we i, I, I find kids very inspirational
1: and you make an illustrated remember- book each year Celebrate the uh, year? We do we do a drawing. No,
2: we yeah we do we do a drawing based one every year. We do a painting based one every year. Sculpture based one every year. We run for um, each term and we have for five weeks. So it's um but it'll be different each year because we we have kids who have started when they're six still there with twelve.
0: So we have to keep changing stuff. Don't repeat. Stuff. One of the um, things I've been thinking about, um, just over my observation, especially since lockdown, I don't know what's got me thinking about it, uh, but it seems that there's so much anxiety in our children these days, and that, and it, and it seems to me a little bit of a loss of creativity and an, and an, and an inability to see the future for themselves through the mire of all of the negativity that surrounds them. And I wonder if that's something that something that you've observed, um, a change in kids, or do you think that what you're doing is helping kids to overcome that by teaching them how to plan and think yeah, I mean, from an art point I, of view? Yeah, I'm just such
2: an advocate for artication, and it, it breaks my heart when I see how it's been diminished and valued. Um and and not not through any fault of teachers, because I'm a teacher myself and I I don't want to get in teacher bashing, but it's just the system. Like we kind of got lost sight. We lost sight of creativity in education. And look what's happened to the arts education. I mean, I worked at Teach Education University and it was diminished, diminished, diminished. So that now our young teachers come out with a very, very sea understanding um, of what any of those things in curriculum, let alone being able to teach somebody else um, with some content, some knowledge. Um, visual arts, dance, drama, or it's kind of it's heartbreaking that those things have so in it. And I think a lot of those kids who are suffering anxiety, um, they need a really good arts education program. They need to be involved in playing, creating, hearing their own voice, having that valued. All of those things are so crucial learning. Full stop. But it's I don't know. We seem to have lost sight of that and. And yet, our curriculum is a creative, our New curriculum is creative, and it should have room for that, but it, somehow it's all squeezed out, you know. it's um, For somebody who's involved and in, has been involved in art education all my life, really, as a teacher and as an educator, um, it was kind of soul-destroying to see what was happening to it within this um, special teacher case. So... Pamela and I decided we would, we would do what we could for kids. We just work directly and, um, you know, walk away and start our own um, thing so that we at least were making the difference in the lives of some kids. I just think it's time for New Zealand to take a good hard look at itself and think, you know, our education still needs to be more creative. Stop. And not all, not all through a screen, you know, through doing stuff with your hands. You
1: know. And the benefits for that are much wider than the people who might end up being artists. But we need everybody yes. to, to have that creative spark.
2: Yes, we do. Everybody, I mean, every area of the curriculum is creative and could be, um, especially employed you a lot of art to teach it. And, and you're right. It's like it's not something that, uh, you know, probably a very small percentage of kids who work with become artists, but they'll all, have, they'll all have a creative, they'll all live creative lives.
1: I am going to squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Van Morrison. You came very, very close to picking my other favourite album, which is Van Morrison and the Chieftains. But this song's not oh, yeah, on that album. This is favorite. this is "Bright Side of the Street." Why this one?
2: Um, I just whenever I hear it, I just it just makes smile. It's kind of like positive and uplift and it must be my um must be my celtic genes kind of rearing up because something about the it's just sort of like a jig or something it's just i just love it and i just love his voice
1: seen lots of changes in society over the last nearly year and a half isn't that scary in the the last while since the start of COVID what changes do you think will stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick
2: oh yeah well I hope um I hope being aware and taking care of the earth might more um like you know it was really interesting in lockdown and I live I live on the peninsula where we've got a big biodiverse push and um you know it's one of the areas that they're knocking out the predators uh, because it is a peninsula and yet even so people all said during lockdown oh you know so much more bird life but it, there probably wasn't just that we were out there listening to it without noise of cars it was probably the same amount of birds but people became aware of it aware of how nice it was not to have background means of cars going really in and out of town um, and just having nature there around them all the time. I, I kind of think, you know, we have to question, um, we have to question how we can sustain things like tourism, that with those great big boats coming in, you know, and they all stopped and also just the number of people traveling and, you know, all of that stopped. So, you know, I'm not an isolationist, but I do think we need to be careful about how we chase a dollar always. And th-
1: yeah, on our very on our very first show last year, uh, we asked um, Steve Henry what he hoped might be the impact of, the, of COVID, and he said it was he actually hoped that tourism would take a bit of a pause, and we would actually yeah. be looking at what we're doing. With tourism, and then we see yesterday that the management plan for Milford comes out, and they're suggesting closing the airport at Milford. Yeah, you know, who would have who would have thought that that was even a thing to be yeah. talked about? So, so maybe maybe some interesting things will get onto the table because of this.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it did make us all stop and think, and I I I think it was like the Earth saying enough already, humans. You know, just stop. Just stop and you know, I think we've got to ask ourselves some big questions about the value of things.
1: So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: Uh I don't know if I've had any. I think my biggest success is living a joyful life. I do feel that I I um I surround myself with joy. Uh the uh, uh, an educator I much admire from Italy called Loris Malaguzzi. Sadly, he's no longer with us, but he had the catch cry for his whole education, and it was nothing without joy. And I think that's quite a good way to live your life. Um, So I think my biggest success would be uh, just keeping on, keeping on um, in a joyful and creative way.
1: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower?
2: My superpower um, oh I don't know if I've got one knitting would that be a superpower <laughs> it
1: certainly could be
2: <laughs> yeah knitting and um, oh I' am a I am a bit of a I am a bit of a punctuation whiz I like to get my punctuation correctly even on X that could be my superpower no, I don't think I've got a superpower I think my superpower no I don't think I've got one
1: do you consider yourself to be <laughs> an activist
2: activist? I don't know. I I, I hope so. I hope I'm an activist. I think we all, by how we live our lives, um, are activists. I think, you know, the things that you say and do, especially when you work with children, is a type of activism. Um, So, yeah, I guess I am, but I'm not the kind of, I don't go on a lot of marches, which I mean, but I have strong beliefs and I do voice them.
1: I think that if you live your life, especially with children, with that nothing without joy message, that's pretty activisty.
2: Yeah, yeah, true.
1: So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Um, the thought of a good coffee gets me out of bed in the morning. <coughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't... Um I don't know. I just um I just enjoy I'm just enjoying my life at the moment. It was interesting when when I was working like I work for myself now, so that it, it is sort of like lockdown all the time. <laughs> um in that you're in charge of everything, you know, that you do, which I really I really love the freedom of after being employed for most of my life. Um, even though I loved all the work that I did. Uh, well, I did it, but actually, I love freedom, deciding what it is I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. So I'm poor, but happy.
1: So, what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to or opportunity in the next year or two?
2: Um, well, I guess just to get our art department kind of more and more noticed and more out there. Um, we do get we've been very, very well supported by. Um, the DCC here in Creative New Zealand, and we run all sorts of school-based stuff. Quite often, when you work in education, you work with kids. Um, it's not funded by Creative New Zealand, as such as they say, The education the ministry should fund that. And then, you know, the ministry doesn't have funding for that, so it's kind of hard sometimes get things to do school-based projects visual arts. So we've 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 been working on one very small. Um, and we're doing it soon in South Dunedin uh, with a group of school um, with junior kids, and it's called Paint a Poem. We work, because Dunedin's City of Literature, we're kind of doing it in collaboration. And we go in and we teach kids how to paint, basically, but we work, we work with poetry the subject. So um, that, and we, we want that free school. We don't want schools to have to pay for it. So that's why we go for funding. Um, and we want, we really do want to grow that. Um, this one in South Dunedin is going to be with the schools that work the local poet Liz Breslin and they wrote their own poem. So we're going to turn their poem into painting um, for each of those schools. So that's coming up. That's exciting. So I guess just getting more, um, like letting schools know that they could go to creative school and think up an art project and get us in. Creative schools actually do fund schools to do that, but the word isn't out there yet. Um, we love working schools. We love going in as artists. Um, and, you know, because I think, I think I was probably about nine before I ever met an artist. I lived in, you know, deepest, greenest, rural Southland. There we weren't too many around. So I think it's really important for kids to see that, oh, here's something that, you know, you could do. You could you could be a teacher or you could be an artist, or, you know, whatever. So we do like working in schools. We love um, the energy that the kids bring to work, and also we love supporting teachers. Teachers, you know, all of those things. Like the advisory service has cut. I, I was in the I was I think I was the last art advisor for Targo in Southland before it became tomorrow. There's nothing there now to teach and getting better at teaching visual art. So we like what we're doing with our work. Um, in the art part. So that's a good one to Google too.
1: We shall do. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Advice? Uh, Yep. Oh,
0: well, again, nothing without joy would be my advice.
1: Sounds good to me. Thank you for that. Mawira. It's
0: quite funny, Kerry, uh, just last week we interviewed Dick Frizzell, who uh, I know had collaborated with Sam Hunt. Um, He painted one of Sam Hunt's poems. And we also interviewed uh, Apirana Taylor last week, who behind him... Um, he had painted her, my favourite of all of his poems. So there's just so much beauty in that. So what a cool thing that you're doing. Um, keep up the good work. We need more people like you. And you will be, of course, making people like you just by providing kids with the opportunity. So thank you for everything that you do for our communities and for all the joy that you bring. Kia ora.
2: Oh, kia ora. It's a pleasure. been a pleasure talking to you two lovely people.
1: to blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at three, and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Three Dog Night, Joy to the World. I'm Sebra Man and as always bait in Eden with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in the Kendrew Bay across the harbour from me, we've been joined by Kerry Mackay. But that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.